Catherine Orton had always wanted to write books, but kept her dreams to herself, while she worked as a stained-glass teacher, in copywriting, and also for the children's book publishers, Barefoot Books. Her dream has now been realised with the recent release of her debut novel, Never Tell, a story of friendship, survival, sorcery and courage, inspired by her love of folklore and fairy tales, the creepier the better. She met recently with Nikki Gamble to talk about her new book and what's coming next. Tell us a little bit about how you came to be uh, a children's novelist. I know that you've worked in children's books Mm -hmm. for a while, so Mm -hmm. what's your journey been to publication? Well, I did work for a little while uh, in children's publishing, probably a, a year or two, and that was very much because... I I wanted to be a writer really so I was coming at it uh, with a view to sort of see what the industry was like and and just learn as much as I possibly could really Um, I did actually move on from that and um, go into copywriting for a bit and then gave that up altogether and uh, and uh, worked in stained glass for for a few years Um, and that was primarily to well because I love stained glass but also um, to give me the time to write because I started to realise that that was really the, what I wanted to focus on mm. as much as I could. So. Did you join any writers groups or take any courses in creative writing or is it all self-initiated? Oh, no, I did um, I did study English at, at uni and I've, um, I did seek out a couple of uh, courses uh, when I was in Bristol as well just to sort of kind of make myself do it and I think with writing that's one of the things kind of one of the the challenges is to just make yourself actually do it and and make that space and time to do it as well Mm -hmm. so everything was with a view to that really yeah I think that's a key point isn't it there's Mm -hmm. lots of people who say they want to write Mm -hmm. and probably for the rest of their lives they're going to keep saying they want to write it's that thing that you do absolutely that actually makes you get yeah. on with it so yeah definitely and you did and never tell is about to uh hit the bookshops uh can you tell us maybe in just two or three sentences just set the book up for us tell us what it's about okay well um it's about uh lena who stumbles upon a, an escape plot being hatched in the um the soviet prison camp that she was born in and goes along with this escape plot, um, only to find herself being kind of chased across Siberia by, by a, a vengeful sorceress and and her pack of shadow wolves. Yeah, now there's some great characters uh, mm-hmm. in this story. Not least the heroine Lena. <laughs> um, tell us how she entered your imagination. Um, she came to me. Uh, first as a little boy I don't think I've ever told anyone that before but that's who she was at first this little blonde boy and slowly I sort of started to think well what if she was a girl and then I feel like that's when her personality and and everything really came together and I, I really got a sense of who she was I know sometimes it's hard to articulate mm. process because we're not always conscious of the way Very. that that happens. Yeah. But have you got any inclination as to what it was in switching to a girl that made it easier for this character 
to develop. I wonder if I just could relate a little bit easier Mm -hmm. um, to a young girl's sort of situation and growing up maybe and yeah you're right it is really hard to articulate Mm. process definitely Mm. because I mean as I've been thinking about recently a lot of the characters I'm not really sure where they came from Mm. they must have come from somewhere they Mm. they certainly came from from me from my brain Mm. but how where exactly in that brain (laughs) exactly really (laughs) hard to say Lena yeah. has a great friend. I love the friendship mm. between her and Bogdan. Mm. And for a while, I thought she was going to leave him behind yeah. in this prison camp, <laughs> uh, which would have been tragic. Mm. Um, so why didn't you leave him there? Why did he set off on the travels? Well, it's really funny that you say that, actually, because in the very first draft, Bogdan uh, did stay behind in the prison camp. I'm almost crying now. <laughs> I know, but then this is the other weird thing about about characters. I got maybe a third of the way through, maybe half of the way through this very early draft, and it was just so clear that something was wrong, that something was missing. And I had this character, Bogdan, nagging me in my head, saying... I mean, essentially, that he should have been there. And I, it was so hard... From that moment on, it was so hard to finish writing that draft without him in it because he was so insistent. And it, it just... I realised, essentially, that he needed to have been on the journey, mm. partly because that was just in his nature, I think, but mm. also it adds a new dimension to the story. It adds that solid friendship mm. and comradeship um, between Lena and, and mm. Bogdan. Mm. Could be quite bleak without mm. him and that Definitely. It gives a, an element of warmth mm. to the story, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it would have been completely different without him. Mm. I don't think it would have been the same mm. story at all. So interesting that the characters are in control. <laughs> I know, it's slightly worrying. <laughs> um, I also love Katya. Oh, yeah. What a great uh, role model. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's uh, my favourite. Does she remind you of anybody in your own circle? She, I think, comes from um, bits and pieces of a lot of women that I've known uh, who are very no-nonsense, down-the-line, yeah. kind of, um, uh, yeah, fierce, strong women. Um, and she, funnily enough, was one of those characters although clearly gathered from a lot of different places, who did almost spring up immediately, fully formed. She was just a presence there. Uh, She's the presence right at the beginning of Mm. the novel. Even when she's not there, even in her absence, she's a presence, which is really (laughs) great. Um, And we should just say that Katya is Lena's mother. Yes. In case anybody's not sure about that. Uh, and of course, what every good story needs is a great adversary mm-hmm. as well. And you have Svetlana, the um, sorcerer. Yes. So she's going to remind us of some characters mm-hmm. from folklore mm-hmm. and fairy tale. Um, are they part of your preferred reading? Um, fairy tales and folklore, mm. absolutely. Yeah, I, I love fairy tales and collect them as many as, as many as I can read oh, and hear fantastic. I collect because I think they're just one of the one of the best forms of 
storytelling. I just love them. So um, I suppose there are kind of echoes of the mm-hmm. Snow Queen mm-hmm. in her. Mm-hmm. And of course, writers through the ages have picked up on that. I mean, C.S. Lewis is another, mm, isn't he, with definitely. those queens of the cold. Tell us about some of your favourite fairy stories. Oh, OK. Well, um, ru- I, I, I love Russian and Slavic fairy tales and folklore. Uh, they're some of my favourites um, in all the world. Um, hence, I think, mm. why this is kind of set in, in Russia and Siberia. And there's one called The Stone Flower, which is actually actually does have a lot of influence on the book. I don't know that one. Oh, Tell us a little bit about oh. it. It's about a, a stone carver, right. an apprentice stone carver who um, wants to create some true beauty and uh, goes off in search of the mistress of the Copper Mountain, um, who is purportedly has this stone flower, which is the most beautifully crafted piece of stonework mm. sort of ever. But all those who enter her domain um, are never seen again so that's the setup for the story but that is the mistress of the copper mountain is actually quite a big uh, inspiration for Svetlana Uh, it's interesting that you've picked a fairy tale there that's Mm -hmm. not well told Mm. it's a shame isn't it that some stories just don't seem to be within that uh, canon that is regularly retold to children definitely I think Fairy tales are so much more than Cinderella, mm-hmm. um, and there is such a wealth mm-hmm. of fairy tales mm-hmm. um, and folklore as well, all mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, originally that would have all been passed on through mm-hmm. word of mouth. And mm-hmm. and yes, it is a shame. I think that that some of those are, are kind of left dwindling mm-hmm. a little bit. You've picked out Russian and Slavic. Uh-huh. So there must be something in that tone mm. and that feel that's different from the other, say, European tales, mm. the French, the German collections. Mm-hmm. What is it that you think makes them essentially Russian in flavour? Oh, wow. That's a really tricky question. I think they just have a certain um, something to them that does set them apart. I don't know if it's the surroundings or like the setting or just the the kind of grit of some of the characters maybe but they I do absolutely love them and I love some of the um conventions as well of of the area such as um having these little animal helpers mm-hmm. who may be the protagonist will come across in some sort of form of distress and offer a kindness to mm. and they will then come back later on to help them mm. I love that, that's another little Great. convention also. Now you're Svetlana mm. your um, sorceress if yep. you like she um, has her pack of shadow wolves Indeed. Uh, tell us about those oh I can feel the chills <laughs> running through my bones already <laughs> she's a very powerful sorceress as we know and she she uses these wolves to to hunt and she's in the area known as the man hunter so she uses these sort of ghost wolves these shadow wolves to to track down her her prey. I think it's a really good point to stop and have a reading. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, this is from chapter 14. Um, so I'll just read a few pages from here. A fifth howl joined the chorus. It was the hunting pack. 
Quick, said Lena, recovering fastest. Run. The mine with its snow-covered entrances was far behind them now, but the snow underfoot was still unpredictable. Last night's storm had sculpted a new landscape over the old, a false floor laced with tricks and traps. Sometimes it held up against the pounding of their feet. Other times their legs plunged right through it up to the knee. The howls got louder at a shocking speed. Now Lena could hear the beasts snarling and panting right behind them. She risked stumbling to glance over her shoulder. Nothing for miles. Nothing but her own breath. It couldn't be. The creatures were so close that Lena could hear their claws tearing up sod and snow. But they were nowhere to be seen. It didn't make any sense. There was only one explanation, that old Gleb's stories about the ghost hounds were true. She pushed the panic down into her stomach, as far from her thoughts as possible. She could hear the hounds gaining on them. At this rate, they'd be caught in moments. She had to think. Lena glanced left. There, a sheer ridge dropped away into who knew what. A bed of sharp rocks, a ravine. There was nothing else for it. This way. Lena grabbed Bogdan's coat sleeve and dragged him with her. She leaped without hesitating and so did he. They plunged straight over the edge. Her stomach lurched. Her feet pedalled the air. She sailed above trees, snow, rocks. Then she dropped. Bogdan did too. The ground rounded up to meet them like the curl of a giant's tongue. Wow. And uh, we can hear from that excerpt that there's some real jeopardy in this uh, magical adventure. Uh, the adversaries feel quite uh, scary. But there's another adversary really in the story, which mm -hmm. is the setting itself mm -hmm. and that intense cold. Did you find it hard to keep up that intensity uh -huh. of coldness in the writing? I didn't really, um, because I just just imagine what it would be like to be out there and uh, it gave me the chills just to think about it really so that was quite sort of quite easy to imagine in lots of ways um the other thing that really struck me mm -hmm. about your writing uh, was this uh wonderful pacing really of the story mm -hmm. um it's suspenseful sort of tension mm. there uh, did that just flow naturally from your pen or did you have to go back and just edit to make sure that you got that balance right? Well, I uh, I really did want it to be pacey and I wanted it to be exciting because I feel like um, that's what I would want to read. So I did write with that in mind. I want, really did want to keep up this sense of tension, but it took a lot of sort of going back over um, quite a few runs to, to go back over and just make sure that everything was as tense and as kind of tight as possible. Are there any specific changes that you had to make to uh, achieve that? Um, there was probably a few moments here and there, like when um, there's a there's a point when just after they've escaped, they have to circumnavigate the mine, which is where the the people in the prison camp go to work and that when I first wrote it was just a bit wet just oh they just they went round the mine <laughs> and that was it so I went back and sort of really 
Mm -hmm. I made that as tense as as possible. Mm. Um, I think sometimes when your head is somewhere else and you're thinking of the next thing that's going to happen, it's often hard to be in the moment and write in that moment. So actually going back over the story is is brilliant. It's something I, I love to do because it's almost like you've got that all out, all the rest of it to come out. So now you can go back and really take your time and, and look at those um, places. Mm, that's, that's an interesting thought. It's almost as though your head is racing ahead and your oh. hand has got to work fast to keep oh, up with it. Definitely. When I'm writing, I actually get too ahead of myself and I've noticed I end up writing half sentences and then I have to leave that sentence and move on to the next one before I finished just so I remember what's going to happen so I'm always racing ahead and then we'll go back and kind of fill each sentence in fascinating <laughs> it's very strange it's not something I'd uh, mm. I'd realized before but I, I've noticed recently that I do it mm. especially when I get really into it I'll just write all these sort of snippets and half sentences and then have to go back Mm, interesting and useful for us um, in terms of working with children mm. actually it's okay sometimes to have scraps of writing oh, and bits of writing definitely. because we can't all mm. our hands can't keep up with yeah. the ideas in our heads sometimes yeah definitely and there's, I think there's a different way of writing for every writer mm. um, I know people who write sort of little notes on scraps of envelopes and all over the place and and others who'll just sit down and write from beginning to end so mm. yeah there's, everybody has a different way mm. tension also comes not only from those moments of excitement mm-hmm. but also from withholding information and mm. from secrets that are there in the story now we don't want to give too much away no. but can you tell us <laughs> something about secrets and how that is a plot driver oh I wanted there to be a lot that was hidden that would kind of come to light in the end um so really what I started with was um a backstory which i I kind of knew was there and I had to explore how best to sort of pick out um, here and there but I'm not sure what I can say without giving too much away but there there is a lot to Svetlana and her motivations for why she is chasing these children and mm. um, why she is the person she is mm. which I think makes her a really interesting mm. Baddie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It stops it from being two dimensional, yeah, doesn't definitely, it? Yeah. Definitely, and there is a lot to do with Lena and her um, parentage as well, which I wanted to remain slightly ambiguous until until the very end. And, um, and the seeds are there right at the beginning. Mm, mm, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> um, I wondered with your writing environment what it looks like. So, for example, are you somebody that has to surround yourself with the visuals of the place that you're writing? Or do you like a blank wall? Do you like music? Do you like to be in busy places or quiet places? What's it like for you? Well, my um, writing place is my sofa. (laughs) which I I know, (laughs) which I plunk myself on. And um, surrounded by mess, usually. 
and I just block everything else out. I love, absolutely love music, um, but unfortunately can't listen to it when I'm writing because mm-hmm. it completely interferes with my kind of flow and um, everything down to just the sentence sort of structure. Mm-hmm. So I like to just sit in silence. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound very nice, but I like to sit in silence mm-hmm. on my sofa, surrounded by mess, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just get on with it. But again, I think that's a really insightful mm. point because some people like to surround themselves with things mm. and others it's all in their head mm-hmm. and they just want to shut everything else mm. out and allow that to, mm. um, you know, to have its space, really. Definitely. I think I'm definitely the latter. Yeah. So I wondered, uh, just to finish off, Catherine, mm-hmm. I, I know the first book's not published yet officially, mm. but I also know that you're probably working on the next project because it'll be some time ago that you delivered this. Yeah. Uh, so has that been easy to write a second book? The first book, of course, you deliver it. Mm. You've got as long as you want to write that. Yeah. The second book, things like deadlines come into mm-hmm. play. So <laughs> tell me about that process. It's been very challenging. Um, I am someone who likes to kind of dip under the radar, really. I like to shut myself away, kind of hide away, busy myself with this project, and then sort of surprise people with it. Like, oh, here you are. (laughs) I've done it. Um, But this one, of course, there was a certain expectation set um, already, and I, I definitely found that challenging. So, so it's been interesting. It's been it's been interesting for me to find a way to to block out those pressures as well, mm. and just get on with it and mm. get that the story that I really want to tell mm. out of my head and mm. uh, <laughs> onto the page. Does that new process mean that you have to share things before you feel you're ready to share them? Are you somebody that likes to complete before? letting others in I do like to get things to a certain standard yes Mm. but on the other hand I found having an editor um, and an agent as well people to um, bounce ideas off of absolutely brilliant it's been so fantastic to to know that they are used to looking at things that aren't necessarily in a completely polished state and they will have ideas for you as well I've actually surprised myself by really enjoying that kind of that's fantastic Catherine can I just thank you so much for joining us in the reading corner today Um, I'm sure people are going to really enjoy Never Tell the perfect Christmas read I would say (laughs) oh thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you thanks for listening to In the Reading Corner with Just Imagine If you have enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more on the podcast section of our website, justimagine.co.uk, plus via iTunes or SoundCloud or your usual podcast provider. Don't forget to pass the pod and recommend this fantastic free resource to your friends and colleagues.